Welcome to Incubator by Planet Ant Podcasts. My name is Mike McGettigan, executive producer of the network. At Planet Ant, we pride ourselves on exploring new talent and bringing new voices to the stage. So we're bringing that to the world of podcasting. We'll regularly feature six-episode short-run series commissioned exclusively for the Incubator podcast. Some of these might become full-run podcasts of their own, and some might just stay within what we're doing here. Incubator, stick around. You might like what's next. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. I mean, getting a Secret Service agent drunk is about as uh, about as difficult as getting a Polak drunk. Meaning, uh, they already beat you to it. All right. Well, speaking of beatings, uh, hello and welcome once again to Worst in the Industry podcast, the show where this triad of champagne of beers socialists wipes the grime-covered windows of history to shine bright sunlight on the horrors of history, not committed by individuals for ideals but by huge organizations in the name of profit. And to remind you that though names, logos, and products have changed, these organizations are still around, still trying to make money, and still making you pay the price. My name is Justin St. Peter, and I am held together by bond resin. To my metaphorical right... It's Colin Stanley. I've boarded up all my windows, but I can't get their beer bottles through anymore. To my right... Uh, my name's Tyler Zielinski, and I lost my favorite water bottle two days ago, and I'm still upset about it. You lost your Nalgene? Yeah, my Nalgene's four, my never getting us that ounce. fucking sponsorship now, my you asshole. Fucking how? I just I don't know where it it's went. It's the size of a baby. It's it is. It's literally the size of my forearm. It's great. It's like losing. It's like losing uh, the the daughter of a wealthy uh, magnate within the basement of their home their own home for hours at a time while the police are investigating it, and then never checking the basement because why would they check the basement? And then never uh, closing the crime scene, and then letting the father run all over the fucking high goddamn house, letting him have the lay of the land, fucking meddling with evidence. Then he carries this fucking nail gene bottle up the stairs and goes, "My baby girl." I see you listen to the Christmas episode of. Uh... I've been listening to the Jabonet Ramsey. <laughs> I'm just saying, I want to believe. All right. <clears throat> well, together, the three of us pan the filthy shores of the river of reality for the purest flecks of fury found outside of laboratory settings. And today, oh, today, ladies and gentle thems, we are discussing the nearly two-century history of the Pinkerton Detective Agency. And it's regaling you. Yep, it's two, two by fours, fours out. Hey, you guys, uh, you guys sit at home, listen to this episode. Uh, we're not advocating any sort of personal individual action, but just so you know, it would be very helpful to have some loose lumber lying around that is of a weight and length uh, easily swingable to you. And your great grandpappy probably beat the shit out of some of these guys at some point. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then they, and then they came back with double the guys and gummed him down in front of his wife and kids. Yep. Anyway. Sorry, Joe. Uh, we will be regaling you with some of their many tales of unscrupulous goonery. 
We a could not possibly. <laughs> you make him sound too much fun. You make him sound. I love. I would love to do unscrupulous goonery. <laughs> you make him sound like they're like a hockey enforcer. It's. You make it sound like they're on a pub crawl. Yeah, that's what you, you make it sound like. We're doing an episode on fucking Chara from the Bruins. Yeah, you oh, know what? Chara. Now that I say it out loud, it does sound a lot like Nerdles. Nerdles. <laughs> Nerdles. Yeah, you're like. Let me take the scary term microplastics, and I'm gonna tell you about nerdles. Really soften the edge. Really fucking. Let me let me round off some of the sharp edges and corners on this thing. Unscrupulous goonery. <laughs> Unscrupulous goonery. <laughs> what is scroop? What is scrupled goonery look like to you? Um, do you, oh, get, a, do you get a certificate? More do you get a permit for it? Yeah, you have to get. You have to like. You have to petition the city council for it. And, oh, it's like a chauffeur's license. Yeah, yeah I think. Yeah. I think. You, yeah, you gotta take a test. I'm a scrupled goon of County, Michigan. Colin, you are a scrupled goon. Please, I am actually a. I am a scrupled goon. goon. <laughs> I have many personal principles and ideas that hold my goonery in check. <laughs> now, before we can get into the specifics of what the Pinkertons have done, uh, we need to get into the specifics of why they are here and how they came to be. And uh, surprise, surprise, from the beginning, the Pinkertons have been in the pockets of the capital of the day, which in the case of the 1850s was the railroad. But guess what? Uh, no Nazis. So that means I don't have to do the history. Uh, okay, Not here's the time. thing, though. Here's the thing, though. First of all, I am getting really tired of, at the beginning of every episode, us going, turns out the problem all along was capitalism but turns out that's also the fucking theme of the show yeah also we said no nazis colin you can't break the the fourth wall or glass ceiling like that oh god no hillary clinton did that in 2016 uh no god god hillary clinton we neo picks manic pixie dream hillary hill dog hill dog hill dog uh we said no Nazis, right? Because none of them are directly related to Nazis. But yeah. you got to understand that your typical Pinkerton agent is the kind of guy who has a full back tattoo that is the Punisher skull surrounded by swastikas. That is your typical Pinkerton agent. These are the guys that love racist coffee companies owned by former Marines uh, and shoot up uh, fucking paper targets made to look like Osama bin Laden. Like, they're not – these aren't good guys. These are guys who the police were like, nah, fam, you didn't pass the psyche, Val. Like, we can't let you in by law as much as we want to. That's the kind of people Pinkerton employs. Yeah, for context, my grandfather was a Pinkerton agent in the 70s, and for Halloween, he would go as a flasher, uh, and he would just flash people. In air quotes, for Halloween. I mean, the only, In air time, quotes, the only time go he as. did it was Halloween. Anytime you knew that he did it, it was Halloween. <laughs> Yay. He was a Pinkerton, Justin. That was the least criminal day of the year for him. So since I'm not doing the history uh, because there are no Nazis that we can find involved. Justin. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I'm going to talk uh, for, for a little bit, and by a little bit, I mean probably like uh, quite a bit, uh, about Alan Pinkerton, the man himself who began the company, uh, who is, by most accounts, actually a very compelling character. Um, not saying he was a good guy, just a compelling character. 
an Alan Pinkerton is what happens when your girlfriend puts her finger in your ass while she's blowing you. That's called an Alan Pinkerton. Only if she doesn't ask. Heyo. And then she beats the shit out of you with a bunch and she, of... <laughs> and she pulls out a, a small truncheon and she caves your fucking brain in and then she spits on you in front of your wife and kids. Yeah, it's an Alan Pinkerton. She pulls out a cattleman's revolver and shoots you in the gut and leaves you to bleed out in the mud. Alan Pinkerton was born in Scotland and emigrated to the U.S. in 1842 at the age of either 22 or 23. I couldn't find a specific date of emigration because, uh, hey, wouldn't you know it, before the late 19th century, emigration just meant fucking showing up. Pinkerton was a cooper by trade, a barrel maker. Uh, and although there is some contradictory information that comes later, he claimed in an 1883 book to have been an active abolitionist using his cooperage as a stop on the Underground Railroad. I was honestly very shocked by this because I, I expected him to just be like a, a very much, you know, a Klansman. I was too. But then uh, we're going to get into it in my section. This is the woke capitalism uh, episode of the podcast so far. This is it's, we're going to get real woke. You're going to get real PC. Uh, and it doesn't matter. Like, Oh, not at all. The death squad that kills you in front of your fellow workers will be very diverse. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, now, Pinkerton more or less stumbled onto his career as a detective, uh, quite literally stumbling upon a counterfeiting operation in the woods around his home in Dundee, Indiana, uh, after conducting some informal surveillance, which I imagine was just him watching them. Yeah, him watching them from a distance. It was kind of funny to think like, you know, informal surveillance kind of sounds like, you know, hey, you guys got a light? What are you doing over here? I thought I thought informal surveillance was like when you ask a girl out on a date, but she says no, so you follow her to her, her job and watch her through the main window. That sounds like informal surveillance. And then she me. tells you, oh, stop following me. I have a boyfriend. So then you follow her home and watch her through the windows of her house to make sure she doesn't yeah. have a boyfriend. And then she- and then you learn her schedule and then you wait till she's out of the house. And then you cut the phone lines and you sneak inside and you hide in her closet all day until she comes back. But then she never shows so that you write a weird cryptic poem and the- put it in the... Put it in the, the Wichita Times. <laughs> now, after conducting his informal surveillance, uh, the information he gathered led to the arrest of the counterfeiters, uh, which led to his eventual appointment as the first police detective in Chicago uh, in 1849. <laughs> you fucking... I'm just going to let that hang there with some heavy implications on you sausage eating motherfucker this this guy smelled like onions from the day he was born uh the year after that 1850 he formed the northwestern police agency with one edward rucker a chicago attorney uh and this is the company which would later become pinkerton and co and eventually the pinkerton detective agency after the railroad companies invested in 1855 uh the six Railroad companies actually conglomerated together and invested money into the Pinkerton Detective Agency. Uh, to quote historian Frank Morn, by the mid-1850s, a few businessmen saw the need for greater control over their employees. Their solution was to sponsor a private detective system. In February of 1855, Alan Pinkerton, after consulting with six Midwestern railroads, created such an agency in Chicago. This is also where he met then-lawyer Abraham Lincoln, whose association earned Pinkerton a high-ranking government position at a later date. 
Ellen Pinkerton also claims to have attended secret meetings held by John Brown and Frederick Douglass in Chicago in 1859, helping purchase supplies and clothing for John Brown, uh, including the suit that John Brown was later hanged in after the failed raid at Harper's Ferry. I would like to mention here, John Brown was, in my opinion, the only American hero to ever live. And the fact that he was aided by the by the guy who founded the Pinkertons does not tarnish his memory, but it does prove that, like, yeah, people who own slaves are really shittery, shitty, so shitty, in fact, that you had to be friends with the kind of guy that would be a proto-Chicago police officer to get things done. What, what do you call it when you beat up a, a striking rail worker in Chicago in the bushes? Is that now in Pinkerton? No, it's dragged through the garden. <laughs> Drag it through the garden. <laughs> hey, now I want to Chicago style. Chicago style. Oh, yeah. Oh, would you look Oops, at that? He's fucking dead. brains are everywhere. They're so fucking pink. Yeah, must have been one of those fucking mix from the labor union that did this. We should hang him. Oh, boy. Tyler, save it for your segment. Keep it. Keep it on lock, okay? We're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about him later. At least they weren't, you know, like welding the holes to the Edmund Fitzgerald or something like that. Am I never going to live this down? I wasn't you even You will never live it down. You gave me the fucking perfect thing to say to you every time you want to malign the mix. Do, I am a Do you a remember mix. how many fucking times we had to sing that song in school growing yeah. up, Tyler? I hold your I hold your great-grand-uncle or whatever personally responsible. Hey, listen. He was just following orders. <laughs> During the Civil War, Alan Pinkerton was appointed as the head of the Union Intelligence Service, heading off in an alleged assassination plot in Baltimore and later executing several undercover missions himself in the Deep South, once barely escaping with his life. Alan Pinkerton's involvement in the U.S. Intelligence Service directly led to the establishment of the Federal Secret Service for all of the good and ills that that has done. Uh, now, after spending some years chasing train robbers and eventually suffering his greatest defeat at the hands of the outlaw Jesse James after one of his agents was allegedly captured and killed, Pinkerton then assisted the Spanish occupation in suppressing a revolution in Cuba, which was intended to give universal suffrage and end slavery on the island. Now, if Pinkerton was aware of this being the revolutionary's intent and went ahead with his work with the Spanish occupation, it is likely that his claims of being an abolitionist in the U.S. are inflated, if not outright false. I would I would like to say here that um, I don't think that's the case. I think he was an abolitionist, but I think he was an abolitionist in that he wanted to consolidate federal power because he knew how much fucking money it could make him. And that crippling the South would help to reunify the Union, and that ending slavery was the best way to do that. I would agree if his abolitionist work had not started before his professional life. No, but I mean that's what that's what I'm saying is that like he was already he like he was a quote unquote abolitionist, but he could be an abolitionist, want the end of slavery, because he wants Increase federal power. And then as time goes on, realizes that, yeah, increase federal power. That's great because we get to oppress all these people. But also I can make money off that. Yeah, understandable. Which would explain why he suppresses, you know, the revolution that aims to end slavery in Cuba. Yes. Which, by the way, uh, when people talk about my grandparents fled Cuba and do you know what they did to them? They took away all their slaves. Like that's that's, that's these people. 
like these are the people who are being hurt in that revolution. Yeah, the people who oh, yeah. just happen to flee Cuba and then they end up living in Beverly Hills. Oh yeah, you end up moving to the richest fucking part of Florida. Hmm. Wow, you must really be downtrodden refugees. No, you had shit tons of fucking money because you owned people. It's, there's that there's that one girl on fucking Twitter who's like, I hate Chairman Mao. My grandpa had an egg monopoly in mainland China, and he took away all his factories. It's like, he had a fucking what monopoly? <laughs> egg monopoly. That's actually amazing. There are conflicting reports on exactly what killed Alan Pickerton. Uh, the most common being that he slipped bit his tongue and contracted gangrene, which then killed him via blood infection, which personally is just fucking hilarious. That's the most cop way you could die ever. Uh, <laughs> there are also claims that he died of malaria or a stroke. Personally, I find Alan Pinkerton's reported story to be a bit fantastical, uh, a bit too Old West folklore to be 100% believable, However, I honestly cannot find a whole lot of conflicting information. So please, if you have other information or even information to back up the claims made about Alan Pinkerton, please feel free to reach out to us at worstintheindustrypod at gmail.com. It's so weird that we can't find a lot of information on a guy whose entire profession is about gathering intelligence and, you know, the way that spreads. It's crazy. I don't know. I don't know. Fucking crazy. Uh, now, while the Pinkerton Detective Agency was involved in anti-labor work before the death of their founder, as uh, Alan Pinkerton was uh, an anti... Well, he publicly claimed to be pro-labor, but distrusted... Uh, he, he was anti-labor. He was, he was anti-labor. Like, he very, hated very Irish people and Polish people. Um, they were famous and, and publicly known for solving train robberies. <laughs> And it wasn't until after Alan Pinkerton's passing that the Pinkertons showed their teeth and well-earned their status as being synonymous with brutal violence against working people. These will primarily be the stories we are covering today, so I will not go into great detail. However, know that strike-breaking and anti-labor intelligence gathering was the Pinkerton Detective Agency's bread and butter until the La Follette Committee meetings of 1937. These hearings, as conducted by the La Follette Civil Liberties Committee, began as an inquiry into the NLRB, or the National Labor Relations Board, about the methods used by capital to avoid collective bargaining efforts by unions. Revealed in the exhaustive hearings was proof of industrial espionage, criminal associations for the purposes of strike-breaking, strike-breaking through the use of private police forces, and outright industrial warfare. The five largest detective agencies of the day were investigated, the largest of which was, of course, the Pinkerton Detective Agency. And despite great pains taken by the agency to destroy their records before they were subpoenaed, there was enough left for the federal government to understand what had gone on. The Pinkertons especially were so widespread among the labor unions of the United States, having 55 undercover agents in the UAW alone, that it was said that the employer was in the very heart of the union council from the outset of any organizing effort. News of organizers coming into a town, contacts the organizers make among his employees, the names of employees who join the union, all organization plans, all activities of the union, these are as readily available to the employer as though he himself were running the union. And this is a direct quote from the final report of the committee. The La Follette Committee in and of itself is a fascinating story that, uh, although it did not reach a whole lot of effective legal 
uh, results, honestly, it did bring into the light a lot of the unethical uh, things done by these corporations, which were largely being suppressed at the time. Um, we do have a lot of info to get to, and maybe someday we will get to the La Follette Committee, uh, but that is not today. Uh, now, to cover some of the uh, earlier anti-labor activity of the Pinkerton Detective Agency is everyone's favorite mama bird, uh, who we can't call the Nazi guy because we weren't able to shove any Nazi content into this episode. Uh, here he is, Tyler Zielinski. All right, time for your feeding, baby birds. I'll spit in my mouth, mommy. Fucking spit in my mouth, you big winged whore. Colin, we've had this conversation before. You don't want me to. <laughs> oh, I do, though. I want to taste all that chaw. Guys, guys. Rona. What? I got the antibodies. And by I got the antibodies, I've eaten Skittles off a bathroom floor. Yeah. Anyway. So I'm <laughs> Drop gonna, a handful. You got to pick them up, man. I'm going to talk about the uh, this little group of people called the Molly Maguires. Um, from reports, they were billed as an Irish secret society. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. This sounds like the opening to a to an anti-Irish like propaganda. This is like something from like, gangs in New York. Yeah, like can we get the Molly Maguire? Can we get that like uh like unsolved mystery theme song music in the background? The like you know you know. <laughs> but what if actually? <laughs> like, but anyway. So uh, the Molly Maguires are the Knights of Columbus for day drinking. Eh, kind of. I they thought that uh, was just the Knights of Columbus. They're like they're <laughs> they're you know talked about as like a secret society, but from what I can tell from what I've read about them, it's more or less like a labor union. Um, they just kind of meet and uh, talk about the conditions that they're working in and uh, do what they need to do. Because a lot of early labor unions were secret societies like uh, the Odd Fellows actually started as a labor union. Yeah, technically the Freemasons were, too. I was about to say the Freemasons. Yeah, we don't we're not fans of the Freemasons here. at worst the industry pods. So but when there don't. was masonry going on, hey, if they're a labor they union, they're work. a labor union. They did some real good. They did some real good stonework. Yeah. But, uh, but now anyone can be don't, a Freemason. So don't show up at our homes and accuse us of being part of the pedophile elite and like gun us down in the street. I had, a, I had an ex-girlfriend whose parents were Freemasons and they were both engineers. Yeah. Why didn't you fucking <laughs> you fucked up, man? You could have gotten into the deep state. You could have got us all the goods. Yeah, I know. But anyway, My grandpa was a uh, Freemason. What the fuck is wrong with your family? <laughs> was it the same one that was a Pinkerton? No. Oh, okay. No, it's no, a different it the one. one. They they were like spy versus spying each other back in the seventies. They were like black spy versus white spy, just dropping fucking safes on each other and shit. But um, so they became prominent in America during the eighteen hundreds in Pennsylvania specifically, uh, when they were fighting back against horrible work condition and landlords. Uh, with incredibly violent protests. Uh, they were killed lots of people, uh, which, you know, is what it is. So uh, at this time, Irish people were routinely discriminated against, not as much as other groups, but they were discriminated against. I can't discount that. Um, help wanted signs all over the place saying Irish need not apply. So due to most jobs not wanting them to work there, um, they took the most physically demanding and dangerous mining jobs. So at this time, when you got a job as a miner, you didn't 
go to work. You lived at work with your family. You lived in overcrowded company-owned houses. You purchase groceries and goods from company-owned shops, and you go to company-owned doctors. And it was incredibly common to end up owing your employer money at the end of the month. So they had this little cute thing they like to do. Uh, they like to draw. It was, so it was very cute. Uh, they like to draw these things called coffin notices. <laughs> oh, my God. And delivered them to mining supervisors and scabs who wanted to fill their jobs when they were on strike. Oh, yes. As the conditions got worse, the violence also increased. And during the 1870s, 24 mine foremen and supervisors were killed. So, in 1873, Franklin Gowen, president of the Reading Railroad, hired the Pinkertons to infiltrate and destroy the Molly Maguires from the inside. A man named James McParlin, using the alias James McKenna because that name wasn't Mick enough, spent two and a half years... <laughs> I, I also do want to say that I'm pretty sure it's the Reading Railroad Company. Yeah, the Reading Railroad sounds like uh, that's an something LeVar Burton. LeVar. LeVar. Well, you know what? Show. It's my story. It's the Reading Railroad. Eat it. Okay, if you say that, people are going to chew us out for being idiots. Yeah, you know what? Right, I, so I'm going to preemptively do this. Listen to me, Mr. Twitter, Mr. Well, actually. Uh, eat a dick. It's my show. Anyway. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm here for this energy. I don't care. I don't care anymore. So, Mr. McKenna, that's his alias, spent two and a half years living with and gaining the trust of the Molly Maguires. Apparently, conflict of interest don't exist for Pinkerton investigations. Mr. Gowen, the owner of the Reading Railroad. Thank you, Tyler. Served as the chief prosecutor during the trials. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bro. Dude, Who's the fucking judge? You can't make this shit up. No, no. It was it, the the judge was a sack of money that had a face drawn on it that said Irish need not apply. That's what it was. <laughs> that was the judge in this case. So Jesus fucking Christ. Based entirely off of McParlin's testimony, twenty men were sentenced to death. Fuck. Ten of them were executed on the same day which came to be called Black Thursday, which was June 21st, 1877. In 1979, more than 100 years after his hanging, John Keogh, the supposed leader of the Molly Maguires, was granted a full pardon by the state of Pennsylvania. We're sorry. We're <laughs> sorry. It was very BP of them. <laughs> very BP. <laughs> yep. So... But it turns out, uh, turns out we might have been wrong about that guy. Yeah. Um, they... Sorry, I can't do I can't do a Philly accent. It's like, sorry. Turns out we might have been wrong about that guy. It's fucking gross. Yeah, it's a gross accent. So, in the year 1871, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot to another thing, which will lead into Justin's story. Love basketball. Hit that hard pivot. No, oh, yeah, hitting that hard pivot. You know, pick and roll. You know, all the boys with their tight shorts right. and it's all about fundamentals okay you hit that pivot and you give me a chest pass it's all about fun pivot dementals dementals fun dementals because they're that's my team name that's my team name that's my rec league the the dementals 
<laughs> da mental. Da mentals. So anyway, in, in 1871, Congress granted $50,000, which is about $1.1 million in today's money, by the newly formed Department of Justice. And it was devoted to, quote, the detection and prosecution of those guilty violating federal law. So this amount of money wasn't enough for the Department of Justice to make an internal investigation unit. So guess who they contracted? I've, you know what? Can I guess? Take a wild guess. How many guesses do I get? Uh, you get two guesses. Two guesses. Okay. Um, 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 the Harlem Globetrotters. Close. You know, you're actually very close with that one. Oh, it's the Utah Jazz. Uh, Fuck, it was the Utah Jazz. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. No, it was the Pinkertons. Uh, oh, well, I wouldn't have gotten that. Yeah, so anyway, I don't even think basketball was invented yet at this point. Nope. No, no, you just you had like a rough wooden hoop that you'd nail uh, against a brick wall in an alleyway. And then every time a black person walked by, you could kill him with a large medicine ball. Yeah, did you know that was the know closest basketball, we had to basketball was actually invented by a British dude? Yeah, 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 unfortunately. So they contracted the Pinkertons and that kept going for uh, about 22 years. Um, That's not that, not that long. And then in 1893, a law was passed that stated, quote, an individual employed by the Pinkerton Detective Agency or similar organization may not be employed by the government of the United States or the government of the District of Columbia. So that was really weird that it became so incredibly specific that they said, yeah, no one from the Pinkertons can work for the government anymore because this was one year after something happened. And uh, I believe Justin's going to talk about it. Oh, boy, am I ever. Uh, So the incident that inspired the Anti-Pinkerton Act, as that piece of legislation is actually known, uh, it it is literally one sentence long, was the Homestead Strike, also known as the Homestead Massacre. In the town of Homestead, Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh, there was a Carnegie steel mill named the Homestead Steelworks. Profits were rising for Carnegie himself, of course, and the steel mill in Homestead was growing at a rapid pace, as well as its working population. However, wages were only continuing to fall, despite ballooning productivity quotas. The Amalgamated Association of Iron and Steel Workers, or AA as it was and is still known, was an early union formed in America in 1876, and its membership was concentrated on the western side of the Appalachians, uh, particularly in the Pittsburgh area. One of the first strikes the AA engaged in in Homestead happened in 1882 in an effort to prevent the Homestead Mill from enacting the use of yellow dog contracts or contracts with a clause that states as a condition of employment, you cannot unionize. The union won this one despite the use of strike breakers on the behalf of Henry Clay Frick as appointed by Andrew Carnegie himself. Now, notably, Carnegie was very publicly pro-union and condemned the use of strike breakers. Also notably, Andrew Carnegie privately completely agreed with Henry Clay Frick's hatred of the AA, who he vowed to destroy. <laughs> I love the people. Make sure, th- make sure they're destroyed. Well, Henry right. Clay Frick is the one who wanted them destroyed. So did Andrew Carnegie. He just didn't say it in public. Yeah. After another strike in uh, 1889, during which the AA were able to rally 5,000 homestead townspeople to their cause and prevent both strike breakers and the sheriff with 125 deputies 
from breaking their strike. After this one, uh, AA essentially ran the plant, as conceded by even Carnegie's management, and the collective bargaining agreement was set to run out in June of 1892 after three years. So Frick and the union began negotiations in February of the same year. Carnegie privately encouraged Frick to use these negotiations to finally end the union's presence in his mill. After these talks went very sour, the plant was shuttered and the strike began. I I would like to say right here, a lot of times, especially nowadays, uh, people don't understand the purpose of a union. They seem almost outdated because there are so many safety regulations in place in workplaces. Um, And obviously, I think we here at the podcast can all unanimously agree that, yes, unions are a good thing. They should still exist. And that the reason these safety regulations exist is because of unions. And the reason that they are actually still enforced is because of unions. And that if you were to remove a labor element, you would lose uh, a great, great amount of worker safety. That said, they didn't have any of that fucking shit back then. If you worked in a mine, you basically worked inside of a mountain-sized bomb all day. And the only thing you could use to light your way was fire. Closest and if you worked thing you inside, had to safety was a fucking canary. Exactly. Uh, if you were lucky. Yeah. Uh, and literally. Yeah, the, and if that canary didn't come back, they'd be like, all right, well, go in anyway. Yeah. And, and literally the, the mining companies, uh, they used donkeys a lot of the time to haul uh, raw ores and uh, dirt and shit back to the surface, they treated the donkeys better than their workers because they were more expensive to replace. And specifically, when we talk about these steel mills, these ironworks, if you've ever been to a bonfire before, you know how hot it can get near a fire. Now make that fire about 100 times hotter and have liquid metal shooting everywhere. And also, you're not wearing any clothes from the waist up because if you did, you'd pass out from heat stroke the first hour of your shift, which was like 10 hours long, minimum. You're, you are working in literal hell. It is hot, dangerous, dirty work. You're, you're pulling fucking fragments of metal out of your fucking skin at the end, end of every shift. You're cleaning all the fucking grease and debris and slag off of yourself. Uh, just keep you from like looking like kind of a human and you still die in your mid thirties from a, 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 just a fucking vast array of severe fucking health problems. Like this is a death sentence, this job. Yeah. And also you're not getting paid good either. No. And it's, you're barely, it is entirely tied to your productivity as well. Yeah. You're, you're barely getting paid enough to feed yourself, let alone feed your family. And you barely have enough time to even fucking spend with your family. That's why, like, when these people move in, their families come with them. Because if they didn't, they wouldn't even get to see them at all. You have no other options. These are people who are disallowed from any other type of work, either through being born poor or not having the opportunity to be educated. They have no other options. And so they have to work in literal hell every fucking day of their lives. And they're fighting just to have some basic human dignity, not even to make the work fucking safer, but just so that they can work a little bit less. They can put a little bit more food on the table. And these greedy fucking insect people say they want to destroy them and stamp them out. And they employ people like the Pinkertons to do just that. Now, uh, all attempts at entering the facility were prevented by uh, picket lines, and uh, those were kept up 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
Um, union members secured a steam-powered river launch and several rowboats to patrol the river that the mill was on. Every ferry and train coming into Homestead was watched, and strangers in town were questioned, and if found suspicious, they were escorted outside of city limits. The organization undertaken by the AA is frankly nothing if not jaw-dropping, and more than a little inspirational to myself. In the end of this conflict, over 6,500 Union members had come to the town of Homestead to defend this strike. After the sheriff of Homestead was asked to intervene on the behalf of the Carnegie Steel Mill and had his deputies distribute handbills, those handbills were torn down and the deputies were put on a barge and shipped downriver to Pittsburgh. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, when you, you know, what I call being shipped downriver to Pittsburgh is when, is when, <laughs> is when your girl looks, uh, she licks from your asshole up to the tip of your penis and then back down again. That's being shipped downriver to Pittsburgh. So the true battle of Homestead took place on July 6th of 1892, <laughs> after 300 Pinkerton agents were hired to retake the recently fortified mill to reopen with scabs the very same day. They were all armed with Winchester rifles and plenty of ammunition, likely Winchester 1873s, and put on specially equipped barges pulled by a tug in order to storm the mill from the river. Think... No, those are oh, yeah. weapons. Yeah, the gun that won the West and killed so many people. Revolutionized warfare. People had no idea that that many bullets could come at you before. So they're, they're giving them the equivalent of machine guns nowadays. If Actually, at this point, machine guns yeah, were seeing use. No, but not. Yeah, yeah but like, like they guns. were like mounted on platforms that you had to like cart around. It's not something a, a guy could just hold in his hands, let alone a group of like a few dozen guys holding their hands and all fire at the same time. I mean, it is an impressive amount of firepower for the time. Yeah, it's fucking unreal. It's basically like if somebody asked you at a bar, like, hey, you want to go have a knife fight? And you're like, fuck, <laughs> yeah, why not? Fuck, yeah, why not? I've been drinking Schlitz all night. <laughs> yeah, so you go out to go have a knife fight with this dude, and uh, he has <laughs> yes, a minigun. <laughs> He has a strap to top of his 2001 Honda Civic. <laughs> he's going to fucking... Yeah, he, he has he has an A-10 Warthog doing fucking He's about to turn you into you. fucking tomato paste in the parking lot of this Applebee's. Now, uh, after a failed 4 a.m. attempt at a stealthy landing, uh, they were watched by families of the union workers. Literally the whole time, people were throwing things and taking pot shots. Uh... The Pinkertons uh, disembarked their barges, I believe, around 8 a.m. Uh, and attempted to climb the hill to the mill grounds. Shots were fired, and there is differing testimony on who fired the first shot, of course. One of the I wonder why. Well, it's Pinkerton testimony more or less disregarded. One of the crewmates of the tug hired by the Pinkertons attests that the strikers were the first to fire. However, the New York Times reports the opposite in a contemporary article. Either the way... Both the captain of the Pinkertons named Frederick Hindy and a striker named William Foy were in injured in the initial volley and the firefight began in earnest. Uh, now, over the course of the next 13 hours, a fight between the strikers holding the mill and the 300 Pinkerton agents. And I must say again that over the course of the day, over 6,500 armed union workers came to the town of Homestead to assist these strikers. So the Pinkertons were very much outnumbered. 
They were also outmaneuvered uh, as the tugboat had left with the wounded, leaving the 300 Pinkerton agents now stuck on the barges in the middle of the Mononaga... Mononaga... Fuck, I went through the goddamn pronunciation before the episode. The Monongal... The Monongahela... Monongahela. No, the Monongahela. The 300 Pinkerton agents now stuck on the barges of the Monongahela, which killed seven strikers and uh, injured 11, uh, with two dead and 12 injured for the Pinkertons in the end. This battle only ended with the surrender of the Pinkertons and their capture by the striking laborers and resulted in the U.S. government outlawing their use of private detective agencies and mercenaries and very specifically the fucking Pinkertons. Uh, I am going to uh, swing it over to Colin here, who's going to update us on some of the more contemporaneous actions of the Pinkertons. Uh, Our very own Colin Stanley, everyone. Hey guys. Uh, Oh boy. Um, So the Pinkerton detective agency has a website. Boy, is it a bad one. (laughs) It's not good. I mentioned this a little bit earlier in the episode that like they are the woke capitalism version of everything we've been talking about. And that is true because on their website, they constantly talk about the fact that they were the uh, first employer of a woman detective ever, 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 which I've literally no information to corroborate that besides Pinkerton sources. Um, so they, I don't even know. If, it, it is true. The Pinkertons oh, is it? were, yes, they were an equal opportunity employer from uh, the very beginning, actually employing both women and uh, black Americans. So woke, so incredibly woke. Um, that that's part of the problem. So like you, if you go through their website, like I did, uh, very obsessively, you'll see, they constantly talk about the fact that like they're diverse, like they're, they're all about data and data and like information collection and analysis. And basically what that amounts to is that like, they don't care what color the person they're employing is, as long as they will commit acts of heinous violence and aggression against everyday working folks. They don't care. And that's, it's just great. Um, they also talk about one thing that's really fucking horrifying. Um, so they have under the products tab, they offer a few different options. Uh, one is the Pinkerton Crime Index US, um, which basically st- talks about how the fact that uh, FBI crime statistics aren't uh, you know 100% accurate and there's like delays in reporting. And uh, if I may read directly from the, their website in Pinkerton's own words. But what if modern data science could fill in the gaps, referring to crime statistics? (laughs) This opportunity has led Pinkerton to develop the Pinkerton Crime Index to provide timely insights into patterns of crime and violence all over the United States. The Pinkerton Crime Index accurately forecasts crime with 95% confidence based off comprehensive data, our longstanding experience with crime fighting, and frontier algorithms. Frontier, man, I fucking love They're minority They're doing report. fucking minority report. They're literally like, hey, so we know sometimes you don't have all the data. What if we just made a bunch of guesses based on other data? We're going to fill in the gaps. When they say crime forecasts, they're talking about guessing how much crime is going to happen based off previous data, which is fucking psychotic bullshit pseudoscience that they use to justify themselves as this information information agency. The problem being that 
they are vertically integrated. They get paid to be consultants, security consultants. And then it turns out that the security consultant, Pinkerton, decides that what would really help up beef your, secur- beef your security up would be by hiring Pinkerton agents. It's crazy. Wow, why didn't I think of that? They literally, they're fucking, they are a dairy company that's selling lactase pills. That is the best way I could describe it. They're, they're fucking, it's wild. It's fucking wild. Uh, and there's like this minute long video that they have. They also have a Twitter account. Highly recommend you look at that. It's fucking grim as hell. Uh, they have like a minute long video where they talk about the founding uh, of the Pinkertons. They whitewash a bunch of shit. They don't mention the fact that the, all the people they murdered and like brutalized and like, you know, stomped to death in the street or like shot to death or, you know, like lied to and infiltrated, committed unethical uh, information collecting tactics against, you know, they don't mention any of that. What they do mention are the four words on Alan Pinkerton's headstone, uh, which are, and I quote, bravery courage tender and true so tender so in that video they show a weird dataless like satellite view of the state of louisiana and when i was watching that video i was like why the fuck are they just showing a picture of louisiana and then immediately after they show a satellite view of a hurricane i was like no way no fucking way oh colin yes way. I, I fucking looked it up and they talk about it on their Twitter. They do. They literally did like a fucking throwback Thursday fucking tweet about it. I'm not fucking around. <laughs> throwback Thursday, kidding. Katrina. <laughs> they literally said, uh, in the wake of hurricanes, uh, Katrina, Sandy, Rita, and one other one, Wilma. Wilma. Thank you. Pinkerton deployed over 313 Pinkerton agents to protect clients, organizations, and assets. Who? Who, Who? are the clients? Do you guys remember? Who? You probably don't because statistically speaking, you're probably a relatively young audience. Uh, during Hurricane Katrina, which was one of the worst at the time ecological disasters, uh, environmental disasters in American history, you know, an entire fucking city, an enormous fucking city in the entire surrounding area under tens of feet of water. At some points, people literally washed away. We still do not have full and accurate body accounts or accounts of everybody who died or was injured in Hurricane Katrina. And we're not going to get into how the Bush administration fucked everything up by being. George Bush doesn't care George, about George black Bush people. does not care about black people. I feel like we all know that at this point. When we do that episode, we need to get my dad on because he worked with FEMA. Uh, on oh, your dad was running the FEMA stuff. death camps, Kevin? Yes, he was. Yeah, he was yeah, running Kevin, was Kevin worked at a FEMA death camp. <laughs> um, he worked at a FEMA death camp. <laughs> so when when Hurricane Katrina happened, I was eight? Yeah, so yeah, I, was I, was, I was six. Um, yeah, me and um, like they were... They were housing a bunch of uh, people who evacuated from Hurricane Katrina in the Sterling Sterling. Inn. I do remember that. Yes, yeah. Sterling Inn still exists. Yeah. Great hotel. Um, I used to go yeah, there. With, it is. Uh, well, now it's the best. It's I, not used the to, best uh, I used to go to their uh, their little but... banquet hall for uh, Eastern brunch with my family. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but they had a they housed a bunch of people there, and uh, they were taking donations. And me and my sister did a uh, lemonade stand for it, and we raised like one hundred fifty dollars and bought them like Target oh, gift cards nice. and shit. Oh, the Target donated. Tyler's Tyler's yeah. Because there's a target, yeah, there's yeah. a target right there. Tyler was doing a. Well, there was. It doesn't Tyler was doing activism anymore. before it was cool. That's what he wanted. He was. He's yeah, just was trying to flex. He's just you? trying to flex right now. Got that lemonade that... stand activism. <laughs> he's a, he's a. Dude, people people because we we like put that it was for like Hurricane Katrina victims and people would like be like how much does it cost for like a dollar they're like he was twenty yeah. So. I like we. You described us as champagne of beer socialists, but Tyler was a lemonade socialist. <laughs> lemonade socialist. Hell yeah. Uh, but anyway, so they they talk about how they deployed agents right in the wake of these these horrific uh, you know disasters, these climate yes. catastrophes. Yeah, deployed agents uh, to go do their job. But they don't actually say what they did. And if you have ever fucking once in your goddamn life read a tweet or an article or a blog post by a, co- a company you know if they do like good shit they mention it for the rest of the fucking time that company exists they never shut the fuck yeah, up it's like it, how rich it. it's like how rich people don't want socialism because then they can't put their name on the things that they yeah. do they can't say like oh i donated this much money to this charity and it's like well if uh we wouldn't need those charities if you know people got health care but we won't exactly. Talk about so that. the fact that they don't mention it, what they actually did is very sus because uh, I don't know about you guys, but after like everything we've heard in this episode and the thing we're about to hear about, I find it extremely hard to believe that uh, Pinkerton agents were just on street corners, like handed out food and like bottled water and shit. I don't think that's what they were doing in the wake of Katrina. I th- no. Nah. Justin, did your dad beat the shit out of any of them with two by fours? Uh, not that he's teased talk to me about. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to get him we'll get on Kevin. some Kevin, we've, ta- we've been yeah. teasing Kevin for a few episodes now. We're going to have to get him on at this point. We can't keep teasing the audience like oh, yeah. this. B- Big Kev? I yeah, need, we need, fucking, don't I need Special Big K Kev. on this goddamn podcast don't, right Big now. Kev. Don't call him Big Kev. He literally just started walking again after he can, can we call him Special K? I ab- you can absolutely call him Special K. Thank you. Um, so it, it's incredibly sus what they may or may not be doing. In these circumstances, uh, I personally believe that they're like, you know, uh, the a nephew of a C of uh, an executive at Exxon Mobil is like stuck in a 7-Eleven. They got to go grab that guy or like, you know, the the mistress of AT&T's like regional director, like left her dog behind in their McMansion and they need to go get that. Like, that's the kind of shit the Pinkertons were doing in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. They weren't helping people. It's. Yeah, they were passing by people literally drowning exactly. in their own houses. And more than likely to, uh, doing yeah. it, like, uh, less passing by and more, like, knocking people over and, like, k- kinetically ascertaining uh, uh, tangos within this region. And by that, they mean, like, you know, beating up a black kid who was asking them for money. <laughs> yeah, which, like, hey, if uh, the Pinkertons are listening to this and uh, you want to put a statement out, uh, email us. I would love. To, I would it. love to read. Hey, and, if you guys uh, want to clear yeah. the record, we'll, we'll you read want to tell it on us the show. exactly yeah. what every single one of your agents was doing. Because uh, I actually looked up uh, what it takes to be a Pinkerton agent and uh, started going through the application process to be one. Uh, yeah, if anyone lives in Lansing, they have a they job, have a job opening, opening in Lansing right now. Um, turns out you do a lot of paperwork, so they actually. They should know exactly what's happening because you have to fill out a lot of paperwork every time you go on any kind of 
uh, operation with the Pinkerton. So they actually have that information. Yeah, and- so if, if they would like to give us that information so that we can tell all the people and we can stop maligning them, we don't want – you know, we don't want to spread misinformation. So if they want to correct the record, no, like if fucking if give they, us an email. If they genu- genuinely, if they genuinely did some good stuff, I'll eat that shit. Us. I will eat that shit. I will gladly yeah, I, chew I, through that I fucking will gladly, I will gladly read it and apologize for everything I've said. But until then, you guys don't you have any information. Get your two by fours out. And I think actually, um, Justin, you have a much more recent example of what the Pinkertons have been doing. This is uh, just a little short summary of an article that was released by Motherboard not too long ago. Just watch him eat that fucking iguana. Just a little bit of... Yeah, that was so disturbing. Why eat an iguana? It's so gross. It's so gross. It's not good eating. It's not good eating. Because he's eating... He's eating a human being. He's just being eating. I mean, so eating I an iguana because <laughs> Jeff Bezos eats an iguana just because he knows you can't. That's why he does it. He doesn't do it because it's good. He was also eating like the scales, like that, yes. and he was like smiling. And there's like grease on his chin. He looks like a fucking animal. He does not look human. No, it's like it, the reason why the reason why he does it is the same reason why um, I tell our friend DJ that I have icons on my desktop um, because it pisses him off and it doesn't piss me Wait, off. What? Yeah, yeah. He's always like, dude, why don't you hide why your would icons? You, on why your would desktop? you hide I'm your like, icons? They get me where I want to go. That's what I'm saying. All right, we're going to have to talk with him about this because he's wrong. All right, well, in any case, back to the show. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, more than two dozen internal Amazon reports were leaked uh, to Motherboard the other week. Uh, and they revealed that in stark contrast to the company's continual reports that their uh, work with the Pinkerton spies and the spy agency uh, has been entirely uh, for securing high-value shipments in transit and not to gather intelligence on warehouse workers, uh, as claimed by Lisa Lewandowski, an Amazon spokesperson. These two dozen reports were in stark contrast to that. Uh, and show that the company is obsessively monitoring organized labor and social and environmental movements the world over, not just in America, but in Europe as well, because this took place in a Polish factory. Now... A Polish factory is just a place where where you drink beer in front of heavy machinery. That's a Polish factory. Hey, Colin, how do you get a Pollock to start a shift? I don't know. How do you? I don't know. I thought I was going to find a punchline on the way, but all I can think of is walking in backwards. I would say in a Polish factory, uh, the assembly lines run backwards. In a, in a, Pol- in a Polish factory. So they disassemble things? Assembly line. This news comes in the wake of earlier this year, uh, Amazon was put on blast on social media for putting a job seeking a former military intelligence analyst for internal intelligence, specifically on union workers and union organizers and people with union sympathies, because this is the 21st century and data is the most valuable commodity in the world. Past oil in terms of uh, value like a year ago. I thought it was longer ago than that. It might have been like 2015. I could yeah. get my year. The past half decade has been kind of a blur to me. Yeah. 
In any case, yes, these these tactics very much do echo the uh, early tactics of the 20th and late 19th centuries uh, used by robber barons and, you know, railroad magnates and uh, steel magnates like Andrew Carnegie to uh, break strikes and destroy unions from the inside out. So these problems are still very much there, uh, despite laws mandating otherwise. When has legality ever stopped Amazon or the Pinkertons? Literally fucking ever. Yeah, that's a good point. It's never stopped them. It's never fucking stopped them. Yeah, did you guys hear what Amazon did with the uh, camera tripod company? So this company sold uh, really like inexpensive camera tripods on Amazon. uh, And they were incredibly popular. The company like profited three and a half million dollars last year. Um, And then Amazon bought one, said, hey, we could make this. Reverse engineered it. Now they sell it as an Amazon Basics and don't allow the original seller to sell them on Amazon. It's all about innovation. It's all about freedom in the marketplace. Uh, It's really about, uh, you know, like uh, a free and fair uh, market of ideas and goods and services. And that at the end of the day, the most free and fair uh, item will uh, succeed. And uh, the the least um, uh, will be owned by Amazon. It's also the only one you can buy. Now, this is the point of the show. Where we would like to point you towards our call to action. Go to home. Buy a two by four. And that's as far as we can go. And the fact we split it up between multiple people. So technically the only quote you can get is go to Home Depot. Yeah, we might be talking, you know, you might need a two by four for like. You know, you might need to put a wall up in your basement. You, hang, you, know, you, fuck, you, you need put, to put up some studs. You, know, make, you need to hang some frame, bro- Let us know. We're Polish. We can yeah. do that. We love hanging drywall. Yeah, we got, we got, we got the, the hands. hands for, I can, you know, I can labor. fucking hang and mud a room like nobody's business. Oh, me, me and Colin, I think me and you could hang drywall and mud a whole room. In like I honestly think hours. we could. Like, I've done it before and... My stepdad mm-hmm. at the time was like, wow, you're actually picking this up pretty quick. I'm like, I know, bitch, I'm fucking Polish. <laughs> like, what else am I good for? Yep. Drinking beer. Now, give me that sixer. So anyway, um, we're not going to say I'm, I'm going to take this one just so we don't say anything that we're Thanks, not Tyler. To I've say. been I've been um, limited on what I'm allowed to say at the end of the episode because and I quote Colin, we're on a network. Colin, we don't want to die. Colin, people could get hurt. So, the Pinkertons do have a headquarters. Um, we're not saying to do anything with In that fact, information. We are explicitly saying don't do anything. Yeah, with we that are. We are explicitly saying don't do anything. Yeah, because um, they're into intelligence gathering and and they beat the shit out of anyone that protests anything, uh, even if it would most likely be. Uh, very non-combative uh, if if a protest ever were to happen. But regardless, they do have a headquarters. They have a physical place of business with the United States. Uh, that said, like in all seriousness, don't fuck with the Pinkertons too much. Don't fuck like, with the Pinkertons. No, we, this, this is what we are doing it, right now. I wouldn't much. say it's too much, but I would say... That, like, if you value your life, your personal safety, and your privacy, it's probably a bad idea to mess with a large intelligence gathering agency. 
Um, it's not something we necessarily recommend. Obviously, we can't stop you, but we won't endorse your actions. And we've been informed by our producers that we, and I quote, can't afford lawyers or that kind of shit. So <laughs> we won't be able to help you if anything happens. We can barely help ourselves. Yep. But what you can do is that uh, in this time of heightened awareness of police brutality and uh, when slogans and movements like abolish the police and defund the police are getting thrown around, it's important for people to realize that at the end of the day, if you get rid of the public uh, organization that is a police department, these they're just gonna these fucking are the kind of agencies that will replace them. You know, the the reason that the last piece of public infrastructure that gets any kind of real money, any kind of real budget, uh, are police departments is because they're the last uh, real piece of public infrastructure that the owner class, the, you know, the capitalists, the the bourgeois, how, whatever the fuck you want to call them, it's the last piece that they cannot or at least have not yet fully privatized. And as soon as they do, as soon as it is, as it is more convenient to take that cost on themselves than have it subsidized by the public, by working people like you and me, they will do that. And those people will be less accountable. Even at the marginal accountability you see from regular police departments now, you'll see even less from people like Pinkertons, people like uh, Blackwater or G Services. Or, hey, hey, agency. Oh, sorry. Oh, my God. Or not agency. Academy. Academy. Uh, yeah, they're sorry. Academy with an I now. We're going to do a whole fucking episode about them. And technically, they, the government violated the Anti-Pinkerton Act by using them during the occupation of Iraq, but we're not going to fucking get into that right now. It was determined in the 18, or in the 1970s that the Pinkerton Act only referred to the actions undertaken by the Pinkerton Company at the time. Which is bullshit. Yeah, and the, Pinkert- the Pinkertons, Colin, the Pinkertons were killing white people. Blackwater was shooting brown people, which is good for them. Oh but yeah, so it, it w- basically our call to action here is be aware of the information you put out there. Be invo- like be aware of what you actually put out. Like don't don't start a podcast where you use your full names all the fucking time and talk about the state and more specific area that you live in. Don't do that. That'd be really stupid, especially if you're going to produce yeah. an episode about an agency that collects information and uses it for its own nefarious means, the means of its benefactors. That'd be dumb. Don't fucking do that. But if you're going to do that, understand that these are the kinds of things that are going to keep happening. Pinkertons, we use Pinkertons as an example because they have a long history and there's a there's a labor movement tie-in, and that's kind of like a big part of our show. But at the end of the day, you want Robocop? This is how you get Robocop. I mean Robocop the, is the cool. Robocop is cool. The world within which Robocop inhabits and the Robocop program itself are horrifying. Man, yeah. you guys remember um, Robocop? Another shot thing that, that can help. Oh my god. Alpha, yeah. alpha, alpha rapist identified. <laughs> oh, I love that shit. Um, but the, another thing that is important to keep in mind is um, make people aware of the Pinkertons because there are a lot of people who have no idea who they are. They've never yeah, heard a of big them part before. of the neutering um, of the labor movement was erasing the labor movement's like history, and a big part of that history re- revolves around. Uh, acknowledging that people like the Pinkertons and the Pinkertons themselves exist and will fucking kill you and will take your job away 
and make sure that nobody gets it. They will fucking yeah. ruin your life and smash in your fucking skull with a blackjack and not give a fuck. So, um, I think that's, uh, I think that's fine. Yeah, that, that about wraps it up for this episode of worst in the industry podcast. Um, next episode going to be two parter. Oh God. More it's going to be not, we're back to the Nazis. We're, we're back going to back to the Nazis. Tyler's doing the history segment again. I say it every episode, isn't it wild that all these big corporations have ties to the Nazis? Isn't it wild that all these capitalists are always associated with fucking Nazis? Uh, It must be a coincidence. There's no real pattern here. Oh, I mean, we're just lucky we're not involving the Catholic Church, too. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for giving us a chance, and we hope you give our our next episode a listen as well. Well, uh, bye. Pinkerton. Damn near, damn near broker strike. I, I literally named my script for this Pinker. I hardly know her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Goodbye, guys. Bye. See y'all. Oh,